Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to clarify, amplify, and apply the Sunday morning sermons at Grace Community Church to our lives as followers of Jesus. From time to time, we're also going to address other topics as it's helpful for us as we consider how to live our faith out in our world. Our desire and our hope is that the Word of God would press into your everyday life. Good afternoon. Today is February the 5th, and I'm with Scott Patty with Words of Grace podcast. Words of Grace, here we are. Here we are, sir. Good to see you today. Good to see you, sir. You doing all right today? I am. Yeah? Yes, it was. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, man, I know. It's, you know, after weeks of snow and, and rain... The sun is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. So it's good. I took I took my walk this morning and and then uh, actually sat out and read a little bit more uh, to get ready for this next coming Sunday. Yeah, just, just because I, and I needed some sunshine. Yeah, so it was good. Yeah, and here we are. Good well, to see you. so speaking of where we're heading next week, we are mm-hmm. in the book of Isaiah, mm-hmm. and we were um, in Isaiah and just. You know, kind of making our way through it, and mm-hmm. we last week we were on idolatry. This mm-hmm. week was a lot about the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and and return to me, and come to me, and mm-hmm. this language that the Lord uses at the very end of this chapter that we were in. Yeah, chapter forty five. So, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, give us a little bit of an overview from mm-hmm. the sermon on mm-hmm. on Sunday. Well, that was it. Uh, we started in in the the last part of chapter forty four mm-hmm. when all went through chapter forty five. Great declarations of, of God about himself and how he's Lord. Predictions, mm-hmm. again, he's telling what he's going to do. He's going to raise up a, a Cyrus, the Persian king, a Persian ruler, to um, be the one who returns the exiles back to Judah and Jerusalem mm-hmm. and how that's all under God's control. He's the one that did it. He raised up Cyrus, um, it, you know, took him by the hand uh, and made all these things happen. Yeah. It was predictive when Isaiah wrote it, and uh, now they're reading it. The mm-hmm. exiles are, and Cyrus even. The Lord speaks to Cyrus, but it's not so much about him, Cyrus hearing something as it is about the people hearing the, what the Lord is saying to Cyrus. Yeah. All to say to them, our God is with us. Our God is working. He's going to get us back. He's going to deliver us. He's going to save us. And so there's just pronouncement after pronouncement, and then toward the end of uh, chapter 45, mm-hmm. um, the Lord says, turn to me, or Isaiah says, turn yeah, to the Lord and be saved. Uh, and, you know, look to the Lord, mm-hmm. to trust the Lord, rest in the Lord, rely upon the Lord. Yeah. And um, so that was the exhortation. After all this buildup of God's sovereignty, the exhortation was, you know, turn, turn. turn to the Lord and be saved. Turn yeah. to me and be saved. Yeah, it was great, great. And I loved how you, you took the sections, right, and you broke it down into five sections, mm-hmm. kind of his declaration in five different sections. Really, really helpful. Um, and even if you didn't listen to this, I encourage people to go listen. I loved the story about Charles Spurgeon at mm-hmm. the very end. It was mm-hmm. about the turn to me, you know, and look yeah. uh, to the Lord and be saved. Well, that was his, that was his conversion right. verse. Um, and I said on Sunday, I think some people have a conversion yeah. verse. I don't. I just... Yeah came to Christ, came to faith yeah. in Christ through the preaching of a lot of stuff. Yeah. But some people have a, a, a Bible verse that was read to them or they read, they heard it talked about, mm-hmm. and that's what um, brought them to Christ. And this is Isaiah forty five twenty two. It mm-hmm. was the one that Charles Spurgeon, yeah. who I didn't even really go into much detail Sunday about who he is or was. He was a great um, preacher, pastor, and other things. 
um, started other things in in the city of London um, for the sake of the kingdom of God and evangelism and and helping helping the poor, helping people. So he was this uh, preacher, and you know thousands and thousands of people would yeah. come to hear him preach. And we don't want to idolize him, you know. It's not we're not trying to make him out to something that was the Lord's doing, but we do see the grace of God. In, in, the, in his conversion at 15. Right. So that was all in the message, too. I wanted to share that yeah. because that was his verse. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. In fact, we were, I was at um, uh, a prayer time for our missionaries at someone's house, and two people on either side of me in the prayer time were talking about how they have passages they can go to. Mm-hmm. And they were actually both in the book of Romans. Oh, wow. And it was so sweet. One, one uh, lady there was saying that she was trying to prove her husband wrong and so was reading Romans Three to try mm-hmm. to prove him wrong about something, hmm. and she comes to faith. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in another one, uh, Jewish background was reading the Book of Romans and came mm-hmm. kind of like Martin Luther, you know, yeah. by faith, you know, by grace through faith, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's I love to hear those stories mm-hmm. of the the simplicity, but yet the powerful part of the Bible mm-hmm. to save people. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just great. So mm, great. Anyways, well, um, got two questions for us. Okay, one is about idolatry. So I know we didn't talk a ton about it. He mentions it towards the end here. Uh-huh. Um, we talked about it last week, and I know you said you might be heading there a little bit. We will ne- next yeah. week. We will. In chapter so I want to ask you a question about idolatry, and then also a question about verse seven in chapter forty-five. Okay, um, which is one of those verses that you know is is a really uh, great verse about his sovereignty and control. But also, just want to ask you some maybe clarifying questions about it. Okay. But let's start with idolatry. So in in these chapters, they're talking about idolatry, and they're talking about these people that are making images out of wood and bowing down before them. So my question is, how are we to think about idolatry as Christians? And what I mean by that, because there, there seems to be some similarities, mm-hmm. but also some differences, because some of the people we're reading about were not in faith with Yahweh. And, mm-hmm. and so there was, it seems a little different, and also similar. So can you can you help us a little bit as Christians, how are we to think about idolatry okay. in similar but maybe different ways? Do you mean do you mean how is a person to think about idolatry idolatry in their own heart? Yeah. Maybe that. I, I think just too, because I mean, you know, we're reading about people that their entire faith and allegiance was to their idol. Okay. Whereas Christians, you know, we have faith in Jesus, but we might still struggle with idolatry. Okay. So it seems there may be some similarities there. Okay. But also differences. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. So, yes, when we're reading like in Isaiah mm-hmm. um, and in, in, in the Old Testament, we're reading about uh, a couple things. One, the, the, the nations around Israel mm-hmm. were, were by and large, they, they were not what we call monotheistic right. uh, peoples or religions. Meaning they didn't believe in one God, mm-hmm. but that's like one of the main things about um, the nation of Israel, about God's people. About uh, He said to them, "There's only one. I am yeah, the one, and right. there's only one, and you shall have no other, because there is no other, mm-hmm. and you can't make an image." Yeah. So it was like that's in the Ten Commandments, and that's that's re that's reaffirmed over and over and over and over. Right. That there's one God. And so, but the but the people around Israel they, they didn't believe that, and so they, like we see in Cyrus, that we were talking about on Sunday, um, you know, he understood that various nations and various peoples have their own deities, and mm-hmm. and and he 
in his policy, even though he subjugated those people, his policy was to let them worship as they did. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, he was affirming that polytheistic uh, worldview. And so one of the things they would do then, obviously, as we're, as we're seeing in Isaiah, is they would form, they would craft idols, whether mm-hmm. they be small or big, whatever, but they were made out of wood or stone or metal. And, you know, you see that's the, the king in the book of Daniel. He builds an idol and says, bow down to it. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also see uh, that, like in the Exodus, they built a golden calf mm-hmm. and actually said, this is, this is the God who delivered you from Egypt, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? That, that was an idol too. So there's a lot going on there. But what we, so that's what the Lord is speaking to in that context. But the, but the Israelites themselves, they took on the idolatry of the surrounding nations, right. which is one of the reasons that the Lord purges them and disciplines them in the exile. If you go back and read in Kings, 2 Kings, Kings and 2 Chronicles, you'll see how some of those kings there actually set up the idols. Yeah. All right, but they were physical. Now, your question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that was too no, long. No, that's helpful. It's, you're giving some context. Yeah, yeah. Your question, though, was about Christians today. Yeah, how is it similar? How is it different? All right. Well, it is interesting that the New Testament does still talk about idolatry for Christians who have professed Jesus Christ as Lord. So I'll give you two, two examples. One is in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and he's telling these believers in Jesus Christ, we would call them, we call them Christians. He's telling them to put off their old self. Yeah. Because, because as Christians, their old self has died with Christ. They Mm -hmm. have union with Christ and he's saying, put it off. And then he names some very specific things to put off, like to put to death, like don't, like don't practice anymore. Right. Yeah. And they are sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness or greed which is idolatry. Yeah. So he's, so he takes it, he's taking it further. He's affirming that there can be a form of idolatry mm-hmm. that doesn't have a, a, a necessarily a physical mm-hmm. image that is set up. Okay. It, it resides in the human heart. Mm-hmm. And so the Christian needs to understand that though we may be monotheistic and though we may actually understand and believe in the deity of Christ, mm-hmm. Our hearts, the old self, the mm-hmm. the the old nature, the mm-hmm. or we would call it indwelling sin in us, yeah. can still latch on to things or can still produce things mm-hmm. that are come under the category of idolatry, because here's the similarity of it all. Where do we put our trust? Right. What do we give ourselves over to? Mm-hmm. What do we pursue? Mm-hmm. And whatever that is other than God, it seems that Paul in Colossians is saying that amounts to idolatry. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm almost hearing you say, too, is that it all comes down to trust and where the difference may be our, our sal- trust for our salvation may reside in Christ. Even, even while we're following Jesus, our trust can be threatened and we can drift into idolatry even though our full Ultimate trust rests in Christ. We mm-hmm. our old self is is being challenged with yeah, that. Yeah, it's the presence of indwelling yeah. sin. Yeah, there's an ongoing struggle with sin, mm-hmm. even as believers in Christ. Yeah, and so therefore we must fight the sins of the flesh mm-hmm. constantly. We have died, but we're also putting them to death. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then there's another place at the very end, the last verse of the book of First John, 
uh, John there is talking about believing in Jesus as the Son of God and coming to mm-hmm. know him. And then the last verse is, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yeah. Well, it kind of like, ooh, that came out of the out of the blue. But he's understanding that little children, Christians, followers of Christ, you have to fight yeah. ongoing sin, indwelling sin, and mm-hmm. in the, in the, the deeds of the flesh so that you don't, you don't pursue and rely upon and give yourselves over to things other than Christ. Right. So uh, I hope that's helpful. I hope it yeah. gets to what you're asking. I, yeah. But th- so the, you, all that to say is you, you don't have to be the kind of person who has an idol set up in your house right. or goes to a, a temple uh, reserved for a particular god or goddess or multiples uh, to have to fight idolatry in the heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good. That was helpful. I've heard. I've had some conversations with yeah. people, and so that's helpful. The other question I want to ask is about forty-five, chapter forty-five, verse seven. Okay, which is where he's saying, "I form light and create darkness. Mm-hmm. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things." Um, so help us a little bit as far as like maybe let's amplify that a little bit as we think about its context here in Isaiah, but also as we think about even our own life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I know some people could hear that and think, well, is he meaning this? Is he meaning that? You know, as you think about your own struggles, maybe own sufferings, but talk a little about this. How is this? I, I think it was helpful, some of the things you said, but maybe kind of go back to what you said in the sermon that's helpful okay. for us. Well, I, I think, the, first of all, the most important thing to do with that verse, because mm-hmm. that's a challenging verse, yeah. obviously. Yeah. The most important thing to, to do with that verse is to say, number one, what's being revealed about God. Mm-hmm. But also, number two, let's let's try to understand it in its own context. Good, okay. So let's start within its own context. The context, uh, chapter 45, is the Lord is declaring that he is the one who raised up Cyrus of mm-hmm. Persia right. to defeat not only the Babylonians, but the nations around, all the other nations around them. Hmm. And then, after he has done that, he, he frees, he, he releases the, the Jewish exiles mm-hmm. from Babylon back to Judah, the land of Judah, and Jerusalem. And the Lord said he did that. Yeah. So he was behind. He, he planned and he carried out that activity in human history mm. for the purpose of glorifying his name to the nations and to Israel. Right. And of fulfilling his purposes for the nation of Israel in returning them back to rebuild. That's the context. Yeah. Then he says, I form light, I create darkness, I make well being, I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So he doesn't just like declare that without any context. Right. That's good. So what the way we then can understand that, if you keep it in its context, is that activity of God to raise up Cyrus, to do all that that we mm-hmm. just said, is both light and darkness. It's well-being and it's calamity. Mm-hmm. It's the Lord who's the one who, who did it. Mm-hmm. For God's people, it's light. They're mm-hmm. going, they're free. Yeah. They're going back. They're going to rebuild. Mm-hmm. For others, it's darkness. Yeah, because they're getting conquered. They're getting conquered. Yeah. It's, it's well-being for God's people. Mm-hmm. It's calamity for others. There's yeah. judgment Yeah, uh, for Cyrus himself. Just yeah. because Cyrus was used by God 
to do something. In the end, it was still going to be calamity for him. Yeah, it was judgment. He was going right. to face judgment. Right. You know, we see this, this, this testimony. We've seen it throughout Isaiah where um, the Lord can use someone to do his, his will. But the doing of that for that person is sinful because they did it with evil intent. Right. And the Lord can then judge them. Right. And the Lord remains righteous. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Because he can't do anything unrighteous. Right. That's, I think that's the testimony. Good. I think that's what that means. Yeah. Um, that, that the Lord works in ways that are both light and dark, well-being and calamity, depending on who you are with him. Mm-hmm. And he's righteous the whole way through. Yeah. And where does that lead us? To an absolute uh, trust yeah. and, and, and entrustment of ourselves to mm-hmm. his wisdom. Yeah. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling, I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an affirmed truth that mm-hmm. we hold to. Yeah. Good. So what I'm hearing you say is it's really helpful when you see some of these verses first to start in its context and yeah. what's happening there. Mm-hmm. To help us understand that verse specifically. That's right. And, well, and then I didn't answer the second one, the, yeah. the, but that's simpler. Yeah. God is sovereign. Right. That's what that's what that is saying. Exactly. It is saying God is in control. Yeah. Of His world mm. and His plans. Yeah. And all things. Yeah. And I feel like it. And correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. But it's safe to say, well, what about my? And you can hear people. You know, mm-hmm. what about this? And saying, you know, I, I really don't know what the Lord's doing, but we do know some things, right? Mm-hmm. We know Romans. He's going to work all things for good mm-hmm. for those who love and are called mm-hmm. according to his purpose. So we can trust him in that. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's a general principle. Mm-hmm. He is sovereign. Mm-hmm. So he is sovereign. And we can trust him that it, he's going to work for our good. That's right. So I, well, what, but, but, but he, I, don't, I don't know. That's right. We don't know that, you know, we don't, I think I said Sunday, I wasn't, I didn't want to come across as harsh, but I think right. I said Sunday that, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't bow to our demands to, to know yeah. the specifics of every situation. That's good. Yeah. That, that can come across as harsh. I don't mean it that. I don't right. mean to be cold. Yeah. Like, you know, well, God doesn't need God doesn't need to do what you tell him to do. You know, you don't have a right. No, no, no. It, it's 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 more of if you're in Christ, and this is so the unfolding of God's word, we get yeah. more and more light. And by the time we get to, as you said, Romans eight, we hear the Lord declaring very clearly, very beautifully, very graciously to His children, "I'll work all things. I will cause everything to work together for good in your life." Mm-hmm. Because I've called you, I love you, you love me. You're in, you're in my son. You're in Christ. I'm going to conform you to His image, yeah. and so in a sense, even our calamity, yeah, in the end becomes light, right, or well-being, yeah. You know, even what the dark cloud over us, in a sense, becomes light, mm-hmm. even in the end, yeah. Because for the Christian, we just that's what we cling to, that God is sovereign over our lives, mm-hmm. and that His sovereign purpose. Is to lead us into the glory of being made like His Son. Yeah, and we don't know the specifics in mm. this world. We can't see it all. Yeah, and it's hard to cling to this. Mm. But the people of Isaiah's day were being called in their exile. The remnant was being called to cling to the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And here we sit today, yeah. the same way in Christ, yeah. being called to cling to the promises of God. Yeah. That that he is sovereign. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I, I again, and we can end our time here, but I feel like a theme that we're hearing. One of the themes that we're hearing through Isaiah is is trust me. 
Yeah. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if we don't know the next step, trust me. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what's going on. Trust me. Turn mm-hmm. to me. Rest in me. So mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful journey so far through Isaiah. Whew, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you've put a lot of work into it. <laughs> no, it's it. it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. But it does. It's yeah. it shapes our. It, it, yeah. It, okay. Uh, we'll close on this. If if you're if 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 a if you're a Christian, you may have heard that the let the Bible shape your thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I hope if you're at grace with us in these days and you're walking through Isaiah, I, I really do hope that we are all seeing God in more clear and true ways because of because of the way Isaiah in all of this prophetic. Mm poetic language is is revealing God to us the way God's revealing himself I hope we're seeing God more clearly yeah um, and yeah yeah being shaped by it great well thank you for a great sermon and we'll be back in Isaiah 46, 46. Mm-hmm. and talking a little more about idolatry that's right all right thanks Scott. 